welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. What you're about to listen to is a new venture on Block Talk. The Ultimate Disney Song Showdown is the first of many new themed showdowns where we try to discover the best of Disney, drag, and beyond. If you have a theme, category, or fandom you think deserves a showdown, be sure to hit me up. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, follow us on Twitter, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. When you wish upon a star, your dream of pitting the classic Disney songs against one another on a podcast come true. It's time for the first preliminary round of the Ultimate Disney Song Showdown. Today, we're tackling the classics. So let's say hi to these hoes. I have Disney trivia hostess Fifi Dubois, theme park guru Obscura, and my Prince Charming Robbie Rice. We're going to talk about the classics. Who's excited? I'm very excited. So, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Talk. We, this is a fun <laughs> I, think, I, think that, I think that answered it. Yeah, right yeah. I think that was. <laughs> um, no one wanted to say anything. <laughs> where? So, where is everybody located at this point in time? I'm in Astoria. I'm in Upper 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 West Side, Manhattan, <laughs> aka Inwood. Okay. Okay. I'm on the lovely upper, upper, basically Harlem, Upper East Side. There you <laughs> go. I'm in the armpit of America, um, <laughs> Florida. So, amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're we're here in July. And it's a pretty hot day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're 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 gonna play around with this new uh, format on the podcast and try to bring new things into the world because you know just focusing on drag not really a possibility right now uh and who doesn't love disney i mean any any gay that doesn't love disney they're just a bad gay i get in arguments <laughs> with people all the time about people that are like oh i don't like disney and i'm like bullshit it's a bold-faced lie people that's because then you're like oh well what was your favorite movie as a kid and nine times out of ten it's either like one of those off disney movies like Land Before Time that's not Disney, but it's heavily inspired by Disney, so they yep. were obviously trying to be Disney. Um, or it's like Pinocchio, and you're like, you know that's a Disney movie, right? So, you're a liar. <laughs> I feel like nowadays Disney owns like half of the entertainment in oh, absolutely. the entire world, so to say like you don't like Disney as a whole, I feel like is a very false. Right. Yeah, because like most people who... Wars, Marvel, like everything. They own the Simpsons now. Yeah. Um, so I want to get a little bit into everyone's like backstory and how they fell in love with Disney. Um, for me, I as a kid, my parents were brought me to Disney and I guess showed me all the Disney um, videos and the Disney sing-alongs and all those fun things. And I definitely grew up watching, I'm going to age myself right here, watching Mickey Mouse Club and Kids Incorporated and those shows. Um, and then my parents bought a timeshare at the uh, boardwalk. So Disney has been a part of my life for a very, very long time. And I stand it. I mean, I, I'm not ashamed. I'm say, yeah, I was raised on Disney. I grew up in Tampa, Florida. My mom 
went to Disney for her honeymoon and that was her first time ever going to Disney World and then her obsession just got inherited into all of her children. Um, yeah, I grew up going to Disney, grew up with all the Disney movies. We had all the Black Diamond VHS tapes. They still line the library in my house. There are no books on that library shelf. It's all Disney VHSs. Um, yeah, I've just always loved Disney. And then uh, only recently have I really shown my love of Disney through my drag. So that's that's new for me. Not new, new, but like it's something that I'm exploring and um, getting into more. Nice. Well, I was always uh, kind of into Disney, like even from a young age, I um, used to uh, watch the VHS, sing along, all that kind of tapes. Um, my dad grew up in California, so he used to go to Disneyland as a child. So I went to Disneyland a lot as a child and uh, I kind of always was totally in love with everything Disney, the Haunted Mansion. I worked it into my drag painstakingly. <laughs> And um, I've tried to make Disney theme parks a bit more appreciated across all platforms because I mm. feel like uh, so much work goes into them. And um, I also worked for Disney for a brief moment. And um, it's kind of my Disney story. And um, other than that, I've been able to have amazing experiences within the company, like getting to see Imagineering and all that. So I've definitely had a pretty privileged view of Disney <laughs> by nice. being able to go backstage and see everything. Nice. Robbie? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like anyone from our generation kind of grew up with the VHS tapes. Um, you just put them on, watch them. Instead of Saturday morning cartoons, I was watching Silly Singalongs, or I had all the VHS tapes that had all the shorts from like Chippendale, Donald Duck, um, different Mickey Mouse shorts, um, you know, and just, they were always in my top tier of favorite movies. I went to the park when I was five and then it took me 17 more years to get back. So I brought myself back when I was 22 and I kind of like, I always loved it, but it was, it felt like uh, reinvigoration of it. Uh, to finally like step foot in as an adult and now I work here so well currently furloughed still so um, but now I'm here and I think especially within the parks it you have so much opportunity to do so little and still make someone's day even better just by simple things that you can do here because it truly is a magical place and the company is magical. Um, I mean, I think Disney has inspired so many things across the world, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited for this podcast because I think it's going to bring a lot of new listeners to the to Block Talk and it's going to be able to bring out a different side of all of us. Um, so for the listeners, today we are going to discuss the classic Disney animated films within the Disney Animation Studios canon from Snow White to Oliver and Company. This will not include Pixar, Disney Toon Studios, live action or mixed live action and animation. And that will affect um, some options from these 27 films um, as some of them are a mixed live action um, animation. This reason is simple, just to keep it a very tight 
uh, list. Otherwise, it could be an overabundance of options, and we will have many more showdowns we can do for those films. Um, so today we will discuss the list that I came up with. Cut eight initial songs. If my panelists have pitched a song, additional songs will be cut as well. After the three preliminary rounds, we will have a final total of 64 songs that we will put into a bracket and determine the ultimate Disney song. So for today, for the listeners, um, we're going to go in order from uh, 1 to 27. The movies that have no representation will be Fantasia, Saludos Amigos, The Three Caballeros, Make Mine Music, Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, The Rescuers, The Black Cauldron, and The Great Mouse Detective. I know some people have some issues with this. I'm mad about that one. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. It was. It, it's. It's hard. It's. It's. There are so many. You moments. skipped over Vincent Price, though. <laughs> I know. I know. I did. You and, like, completely it was, negated him. What's crazy is like the Great Mouse Detective was like a movie I watched a lot as a kid, but um, the classics have so many memorable songs, so it's hard to make a list. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that goes down to they were trying to do new things when they did the Renaissance. So, like, they were trying to not do as much of what they had done before. Right. Um, but um, still, for there to be enough songs from just the 90s alone to have it be right, a film bracket is yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of insane. But I think we have some really amazing options to talk about today. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll do like an, um, an off show podcast or an, uh, a second podcast when Robbie, you can discuss all the ones that I missed for you. I mean, well, I, technically... I completely forgot about Saludos Amigos <laughs> and now I'm really upset that I didn't pick that one to be pitched. Yeah. The, the three caballeros. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Um, like I would have put that like yeah. full, full T that's one of my favorites, but because I didn't want to hear people being like, why are you doing Mary Poppins? I didn't, if it had live action, right. it was like, let me just remove it completely will be safe. Would Three Caballeros make it beyond 64? Debatable. So I was like, you yeah. know what, it's not going to be one of those things that I'm going to fight really hard for, because there are some songs in here that I'm like, yeah, these need to move forward. Yeah. Three Caballeros, again, love the song. The ride is amazing. We'll talk about it when we do the um, theme park songs. I think you forget, though, that The Little Mermaid actually originally came out in 89. I know, I know, I know. Um, but uh, it, it began the Renaissance. You're calling yeah. it '90s, but really it's Renaissance. It's the Renaissance, is what it is. Yeah, I didn't want to be like all the other fucking YouTubers uh, calling it the Renaissance. Let me let me have my thing for a moment. Um, it's the Renaissance, no, Mary. Right. It is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's we we got we got some good titles to uh, discuss. So are we ready to dive in? Absolutely. All right. So. What we'll do is, if we all feel like absolutely this is a song that can, should be cut, we'll cut it immediately. We don't need to discuss it, but I think the best way to do it is... going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah. Is we'll go through them all, and then at the end we'll be like, alright, let's let's slice and dice. Um, and we are going to start with Snow White, Seven Doors, from 19, uh, 1937. The first song is Whistle While You'll Work, uh, music by Frank Churchill. Lyrics by Larry Mori. The song is sung by voice actress Adriana Castellotti as Snow White. As Snow White and her animal friends clean the cottage. Um, it is an often parodied, uh, mentioned, and used song in pop culture, and has mm -hmm. been seen anywhere from Family Guy to The Simpsons. So, whistle while you work. It's a classic. 
It is. Is it my favorite song from this movie, though? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. You know that basically Disney owned her afterwards and they wouldn't mm-hmm. allow her to do anything else because her voice was so iconic and memorable. And she was uncredited. She was right, uncredited. Yeah. They wouldn't let her do anything, but she didn't get any credit <laughs> for what she did. She got a paycheck and they said, thanks, but don't do any of the other work. <laughs> So what, that's we, not what this is about. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. That's the thing. It's like that. That we want to bring in the facts of like of the movies yeah. and, the, and the songs. So feel free to throw those in there. But no, her voice is iconic. But I, when I think of iconic songs and moments from the film from her, I think more of "I'm Wishing," um, mm-hmm. the "Wishing Well" song, because mm-hmm. um, right. mm-hmm. it's got that the little trill that she does, the high soprano. Um, and it's your introduction to her. Whistle While You Work is a cute montage with all yeah. the characters. And that's where we get that stereotype of princesses with their woodland friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in all of the classic princess films. And even um, uh, through Enchanted as well. Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I, uh, Snow White aside, like Whistle While You Work, I remember that specifically from Silly Sing-Along when they're like mm. opening up the park and... Minnie is cleaning, cleaning a shop, and the penguins are in Chippendale are like sweeping a street and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's definitely an iconic song. It is, but like, you know what I'm gonna and I'm gonna compare it to is what song did you sing when you had to clean up in your classroom in like elementary school? We sang. Uh, the song from Barney, "Clean Up, Clean Up," which is "Clean Up, Clean Up, Everybody Everywhere," <laughs> not "Whistle While You Work." So I think which one's the more iconic cleaning song? Yeah, I would okay. I would say not whistle while you work. I mean whistle while I you twerk. S- that's a bop. I sing <laughs> nothing while I clean. I just kind of complain the whole time. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you just need woodland creatures to help you. That's what you're missing. Absolutely, not any from down here. <laughs> no, Disney was they definitely not here in New York. No, no, no. <laughs> that scene in Enchanted makes you want to throw up. <laughs> I had like a total enchanted moment in the park yesterday. It was like, <laughs> and there were rats. Jesus Christ, the city's gone. <laughs> it's a new craziness. But yeah. honestly, um, as for Whistle While You Work, it is well, such an iconic song, but. I'd say put it on the chopping block and then maybe we can rediscuss how many others we have on the chopping block, but I don't think there's gonna be more that we're like, right. meh. Um, yeah, I brought I brought a notebook so I can remember all of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, notes are good. Notes are good. All right, well, let's move on to our next entry from Snow White. It is Hi Ho. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, music by Frank Churchill, lyrics by Larry Morey. The song is sung by the Seven Dwarfs as they work in the mine. Um, just a little fact about um, the expression Hi Ho. The first record of the expression was in 1553 and is defined as an expression of yawning, sighing, weariness, or disappointment. Um, and it's again another often parried, parodied um, and mentioned um, song in pop culture. It's been used from Boy Meets World to Oliver and Company. Um, so hi ho. Is hi ho like ho hum? Like uh, I, like I guess. Okay. Like, okay. So this song came on while I was working out today, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. and it literally says nothing. Also, when they're singing it in the movie, they're leaving work, so. Their whole yeah. thing of off to work we go is well. They also say home to work we uh, we go, so we, we get both versions of it. 
I th um, I think this is more iconic than with all you work. Okay, yeah. To well, me, visually in the movie, when you sync it up with like the amazing animation of all the diamonds in the mine and mm. how they relax to the different lighting and it's just a very big speed of animation, early animation especially. I feel like this song mixed with the visuals is definitely more iconic. Yeah, the yeah. iconic shot of them crossing the bridge, the iconic shot of the the shadows on the. Um, mountainside, like it's it's a iconic visuals, but the song also, yeah, I think even in pop culture, it's it's more iconic to me. Mm -hmm. And you know, in, in the Disney parks, we got Seven Doors Mine Train, so it's, it's mm -hmm. very prevalent still. Um, yeah, I think I think Hi Ho is definitely one of those songs from Snow White where that's the song you remember. Mm -hmm. Um. It's one of my favorites. I say keep it. I say keep it for now. Okay. I think, I think it Will it outlive other things? I don't know. I feel like people definitely... I feel like it's the most... I don't want to say it's the most memorable from the movie, because like, I feel like that movie has like kind of like the battle of which song you like the most from mm -hmm. it. At least, at least theme park-wise, and... Uh, I feel like what's sung the most, at least. I feel like it's definitely a um, a track that has lasting power within the Disney. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I, I we we want to we feel like we want to keep it moving forward. Yeah. Right now. I I say keep it for now. All right. All right. Let's move on to our next track from Snow White. It is someday my prince will come. Um, Churchill and Maury, performed by Adriana Castellotti as Snow White. Uh, she sings to the dwarfs and her animal friends. Um, it is ranked in AFI's 100 Years 100 Songs at number 19. Oh, wow. Um, and it is covered by Disney uh, on Disney Mania 4 by Ashley Tisdale and Disney Mania 6 by the Cheetah Girls. Because we'll, we'll, we'll be going through some of those throughout I this mean, podcast. Those are my faves. Yeah. Um... I mean, this this is again another big classic Disney anthem. I think it's a great princess song. Is it my favorite princess song? Definitely not. But you have to give it credit for being the Snow G, like the original. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Princess. This was like the first Disney like princess anthem. Absolutely. But it's also problematic because literally her only desire is to have a prince. Like it's 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 feeding into that princess trope of all she wants is to get married to a man. Like she hasn't even met a prince, but she knows there's one coming, and yeah. he's gonna be the one the second she but meets him. Don't act like there aren't plenty of people that <laughs> sit there and just wait for someone oh, as yeah. well. Like all they want to well, do is get married. Hi. That's my one piece of advice. <laughs> That's my one piece of advice to people. All the people that say. Oh, all I want is a boyfriend. I said, if you're saying all you want is a boyfriend, the last thing you need in this world is a boyfriend right now, girl. <laughs> Ouch. So at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, th again, this song has um, like the test of time. It's one. It's definitely something um, that people remember. Um, and it, again, it, it's hard to say what is the iconic song from Snow White because depending on the person and what appeals to them, this could be it. Um, and again, cover songs, eh, kind of important. I mean, you, well, you can't fight Snow White as itself, as its iconography. It is literally the first full-length animated film ever made. Yeah. So, like, it's, you're never going to be able to say, well, what's the most iconic full-length animated feature? 
I'm going to argue with you hands down that it's going to be Snow White because it literally started it all. Um, but as far as songs go, mm, yeah, for me. Yeah, and, and again, part of what we're doing here is deciding what are the 64 best Disney songs. And, and some of these movies may have lots of entries, especially when we mm-hmm. get to the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. I think this still holds a lot of merit because it is the original. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it everyone's favorite princess song? Obviously, like, well, that depends on the person's favorite princess. But I think it still holds its own and has a rightful place. Is so it in the Mickey think... and the Magical Map Princess Medley? No, it is not. <laughs> but so. it, is in, it is in the Fantasmic, like, wait music medley, the Ashley Tisdale <laughs> version. Or no, I think I think the Cheetah Girls version is there because oh, I think Ashley good. Tisdale sings "Kiss the Girl." Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think you're correct. I honestly think that, um, like, I know this is a controversial, controversial thing to say, but um, out of all my experience, I feel like Snow White is the most forgotten about princess when it comes to people who enjoy princesses. I feel I like agree. everybody I met at the parks, very few people supported Snow White. Yeah. And, and I think yeah, she I, her their favorite princess. A lot of people even complained about her. <laughs> like upright, were like she's really whiny and annoying. Like I don't like her. And it's just a like lot of people don't like her because of her voice. Yeah, because of her high pitched. But don't voice. act like Ariel isn't a whiny and annoying. Oh, she's fucking or, whiny. Like <laughs> we've got so <laughs> many. Literally, most of the princesses are whiny and annoying. To be honest. Well, most of the princesses don't have much of a personality if you really think about it. But. Um, it took Pixar the to make a princess with a personality. Prince. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, the first I think the first princess with personality was Jasmine, but that's not in the uh, bracket. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. She's the first like strong princess. Yeah. The first princess who really like was like my goal is not to marry. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how do we feel? And do you want to? Snow White's only goal is to marry a man. <laughs> yeah. We feel my uh, someday my prince will come should be on the chopping block. I think Cuba because it is it? definitely yeah. it is definitely yeah. like the like you said the OG princess song. Yeah. I think it should still stay. Yeah, cool. Well, we have our first um, panelist pitch from Robbie. Um, I'm wishing slash one song. You want to give your pitch? Okay, so this is the OG Disney love song. Mm-hmm. It's the prince's whole personality is based around this <laughs> song, and he's he's the original prince. His name is literally the prince. People try to call him Florian, but it's not. His name is the prince, um, and it is truly just love at first sight. Fell in love with her, and he said like he's devoting his heart to her, everything to her, and then she disappears, and he spends the rest of his days searching for her to only find her again and reprise it and you know i it's it started all love songs and without him and without her we wouldn't have the disney canon that we have sure okay i feel like (laughs) (laughs) we got opinions going i feel like wishing is so iconic because at least at disneyland there's snow white's wishing well and Mm -hmm. and that song's playing and um there's snow white's grotto and that song also plays outside of Snow White's Grotto. And I feel like, I mean, it's my favorite song from the movie because it is this, you know, it's the first Disney movie. There's a lot, of, uh, there's a lot being discussed. Uh, there's a lot being discussed in the song that, I mean, I feel like it's the only song that really like means anything in the movie, if that makes sense. Like well, my, my feeling of, with it. We're working blah, blah, blah. 
my feeling with it is is that it's an iconic scene and it's yes it solidifies and begins the film and sets the wheels in motion do i think it's an iconic and number one love song no not in the slightest (laughs) i mean he falls in love with her voice before he even sees her so and his like that's why he climbs the wall sits on top of the wall i've had to do extraneous like extra research on this movie just just saying so this this song especially for me it started it all so that's why i think it it mm-hmm. has its merits and it holds so much weight is because without that one we wouldn't have so this is love from cinderella we wouldn't have um once upon a dream from sleeping beauty like see but those are great love songs i don't think that this, this one is, a great is love song. <laughs> it's a great love scene i don't think it's a great love song he's literally proposing that he only has one song is in his heart for one person Everything is devoted to her now. He wants to give everything to her. And then he literally gets off his horse, puts her on his horse, walks beside his horse all the way to his castle. All right. I mean, I, th- I think this is definitely a um, on-the-block song right now because I think we're kind of split. But I want to give a fun fact that I learned from Wikipedia because Wikipedia obviously knows everything. This song inspired Do You Want to Know a Secret by the Beatles. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I love the prince's voice because he has that deep baritone, like old Harry Hollywood Stockwell. voice. Mm-hmm. But then you've got No White's voice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So I think we're gonna we'll, we'll put this one on the chopping block for now. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how. Again, we we got a lot of songs to go through, so there there there's a mm-hmm. chance it could make it. But we are now done with Snow White, and we are moving on to movie number two, which is Pinocchio, which came out in 1940. And the first one uh, we will be starting with, which I would say is probably a contender to win it all, is When You Wish Upon a Star, um, written by Lee Hate Carl. Hate it. Like six people just turned off this podcast, just so you know. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Wow. All right. Let's get through the facts and then we'll really start talking. Um, written by Lee Harline and Ned Washington. It is originally performed by Cliff Edwards as Jiminy Cricket and is heard over the opening credits and the final scene of the film. The song has become the representation of the Walt Disney Company. It won the 1940 Academy Award for Best Original Song, ranks seventh in the 100 Greatest Songs in Film History from AFI. And the song has been covered from everyone, including Glenn Miller, Beyonce, and Louis Armstrong. All right, all right. So well, Robbie... if Beyonce covers it, then there is like. <laughs> okay, so why do we? Why do you hate this song? Oh, I I don't. It was oh. it was only oh. a joke. Oh, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, Listen, I'd I be think... strung up by my toes out here. <laughs> right. No, this is definitely the most, to me, the most quintessential iconic Disney song. Yeah. One, it was their first um, Academy Award winning song for the mm-hmm. company. Um, it's in every commercial from like 1980 to now. It's played, there's an instrumental version of it played uh, in, um, at the beginning, at that iconic whatever moment at the beginning of most films. Um, and the if you know anything about what's the actor's name that played Jiminy Cricket again? Cliff Edwards. Cliff Edwards, his life is so tragic and sad. Um 
So like this song, if you know anything about his life, is just like heart wrenching because he died an alcoholic alone and Disney claimed his body so that he would have not be like in an empty hole in the ground with no marker on his grave. Like Damn. it's so sad. Um, but it's, it, yeah, I think this is, in my opinion, one of the best Disney songs out there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the fact that it, the company's theme song essentially mm-hmm. is about the, the impact of the song. And it's yeah. only their second film. Like, it became their theme song. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we're going to put all our eggs in this. Like, this is where we're taking it from. Yeah. To me, it's kind of one of the saving graces of Pinocchio. I personally am not okay. the biggest fan of the movie, but I think that song specifically gives it its... I don't... Mm-hmm. Like, to me, everything else doesn't feel Disney without that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that message and that... um, That song and the melody like lives on throughout the movie yeah yeah i agree i agree i think it's it's definitely the highlight of that film for me as well as this song um the rest of the movie yeah it's it's cute it has cute moments it's problematic it took them it took them till the 80s to make a ride based on this movie like everyone thinks that that's a classic attraction it didn't come out until 80 some 83 i think that they didn't make a dark ride about it it looks like a classic dark ride, but it's not. It was made in the eighties. Yeah. Forty it's years scary. later. Scary. <laughs> it is it's not as scary as the original Snow White Girl. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh my God. And or the original Snow Alice in Wonderland. That, that one's scary too. I know to it. <laughs> Wait, have you been on Mr. Toad's though? That thing. <laughs> you if you go to Mr. Toad's as a child, so you literally yes. go to hell. <laughs> yes. Except we can't even we're not even allowed to use that word at the park. You go to hell. We have to say it's the inferno room. Mm-hmm. Inferno room. Yeah. Uh, Pinocchio is like, honestly, when you examine it, the the dark ride, the movie, not anybody's favorite. I feel. But that's. Oh no, I love the dark ride actually, because it is so scary. <laughs> I have I have some traumatic experiences in relation to the dark ride. One of which I love that dark ride. One of which was the creepiest thing I've ever been on. All the animatronics were missing one time I went on it in the morning. <laughs> oh no, um, no, no. That was Why? A- was that ever explained to you? Oh, honestly, the way Disneyland is run, they don't really explain much to the cast members. They just do things, kind of. Um, and they had opened up the park also before the, or they had painted it so that it was still wet paint by the time the park opened so you could just you're getting fumigated and there's no animatronics (laughs) well so (laughs) it was was quite a wild ride so you were probably seeing things they said okay the fumes will make you see the animatronics (laughs) so we don't even need to have them there oh my god that was the strangest strangest experience but um i i think the fact i mean like i feel like there's really no discussion about this song like yeah yeah it plays at the beginning of every single Disney film. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is in the running for the finale. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right, well, this one's a safe pick. We're moving forward with that one. We're staying with uh, Pinocchio for a little bit, and we're next moving on to Give a Little Whistle, uh, written by Lee Harline and Ned Washington. It is performed by Cliff Edwards as Jiminy Cricket and Dickie Jones as Pinocchio. 
Um, this song is when Jiminy teaches Pinocchio to whistle when he's in trouble. And as he says, if your whistle's weak, yell Jiminy Cricket. Um, how do we feel about this one? It's chopping cute, block. but girl, bye. <laughs> yeah, oh, chopping oh. block. Okay, we're putting on <laughs> chopping block. It's, it's cute, but... Um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Listen, um, I'm trying to get some of these songs gone, so one song makes it to the... I'm like, get out of here. Go. Making room for one song. He's just going to start okay, chopping so I, iconic I, songs. I, I am curious. Why um, are we so gung-ho about cutting Give a Little Whistle? Second I movie, second quite, whistle song. I quite literally thought about that until you just mentioned it. I mean, it does, it, it talks about like, let your conscience be your guide. So mm -hmm. don't be too like hasty in making your decisions. So there is some merit to like the words <laughs> the that you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like, again, <laughs> right. the, lyrics, the lyrics of this song are again, stand the test of time. And it is something um, I think we've all had in the back of our mind, let your conscience be your guide. Um, but again, if this song is not the, something that stands out as a Disney classic, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, I'm interested. Because I will say this is this would be one of my chopping block songs. So, I feel like they don't push this song at all anywhere. Like you know, past the movie, like this song. Sure. Movie, it died in the movie. <laughs> well, this movie doesn't get pushed as much because it doesn't star a princess. Right. Yeah. I mean, Pinocchio is in Festival of Fantasy. He has a whole like he's on top of the whale. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. but when was the last time he had a float in a parade at Disney World, at any Disney park? He has one right now. Exactly, but before that. And Geppetto's in Fantasmic. The characters, Pinocchio is always there. He's always there with Alice and Tigger and Peter walking alongside. I'm sorry, both of you were talking at the same time. Go ahead. I had no idea what was happening. I don't know. Yeah, just don't forget, <laughs> don't Zoom pulls, pulls audio when everyone's talking at yeah. once. Um, no, yeah, I think, you know, again, it's one of those songs where I think it definitely deserved to be discussed today. Is it going to be cut? Very likely. Um, so I think we can move ahead to our next Pinocchio entry, which is really one of our first villain songs, um, Hi Dilly D, um, music by Lee Harline, Ned Washington, and Oliver Wallace, um, though he had no credit for the song on screen at, during the credits. Um, it's sung by Walter Cartlett um, as Foul Fellow as he takes Pinocchio to the theater and then to Pleasure Island. And honestly, as a child, this shit scared the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like... It's kind of like a song that kind of like... Is a perilous tale about like the horrors of like... Uh, Stranger Danger? <laughs> It's, it's original Stranger Danger. Well, and growing up fast, it's, it's all of that. Like, like I feel like there's a lot to unpack in this song. I feel like it is iconic. Do I think it's one of my favorite Disney songs? No. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I would say this would be another chopping block song for me, but... Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I appreciate Pinocchio because it does have has some of the most forgettable but also some of the most some of my favorite villains because they're actually just straight up scary yeah stromboli and um the guy that owns treasure island um, oh pleasure island sorry the i white. always forget his name the white blonde guy yeah yeah the the, the, the... only curse word in a disney attraction oh because they say uh, ass right his ass yeah 
I mean, from this movie, I don't I don't remember if it's on the list or not, but I think like I've got no strings is more iconic that's than these past two say. songs. That's next. That's next. I was I okay. was just gonna say that. I was yeah. like, if I've got no strings, if Hydelly D is the, uh, is on this list, and I've got no strings, is not. I'm no, no, like... we're we're going in in movie order, in, <laughs> okay. in, in, in the movie. Um, yeah, okay. I think this is definitely a chopping block song, but yeah, um, again, I wanted to talk about it because it is really the first villain song that we're. But I, I, yeah, I was gonna say iconic villain song. It is not. Yeah, it is a villain song, but iconic. It is not. Sure. Well, let's move on to our last entry from Pinocchio. It is I've got no strings. Uh, Harlan in Washington is performed by Dickie Jones as um, Pinocchio as he dances with several puppets, including Dutch Girl Puppet, French Can Can Dancers, Russian Puppet, Cossacks, and it's been covered by the Andrews Sisters to Barbara Streisand. And it's I in that commercial with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like an iPod commercial or like a EarPod commercial. Yeah. It's for earbuds, I think. But yeah, this is definitely, for me, a very classic Disney song. Yeah, I'd say it's the second most iconic from Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, it's pushed a bit more than the others, at least uh, theme park-wise. Definitely backstage, they push uh, no strings a lot because, like, even like working in retail, there's like a slip that literally has Pinocchio's face on it that you give to people who like lose items. That's literally called the no strings attached form. <laughs> now I understand why it's called no strings and why Pinocchio's face is on it. I never <laughs> associated that. <laughs> wow, Listen, I, work in, I work in entertainment. I, right. I've only seen those a few times. Uh, you don't see them That's a funny. whole lot either. Like, honestly, I only saw them maybe twice, um, but I feel like it definitely is a song and concept and like, I feel like it's, it's lasted a good long time in people's minds, unlike maybe the other songs from Pinocchio. Yeah. I think it's a cute song and I think it, it, it resonates with me in my childhood because I would like dance around and sing this song as a yeah. kid. So, yeah. I do think this. it can sit as a chopping block song. Like, <laughs> if, you, if we're looking at Pinocchio, like, Okay. The one, the one is uh, when you wish upon a star. Yeah. Um, I, but I still don't think this. I'm I think this one. On. Yeah, I think this one should theoretically move forward. Um, but again, if we're gonna like cut two out of Pinocchio, the other two I think could go before I've got no strings. Um, Absolutely. So, I think we'll, we'll we'll keep this one as safe for now, um, and move on to our next animated film, um, where. Um, the music by Frank Churchill, lyrics by Ned Washington. So we're doing a combo of movie one and movie two. It's Dumbo from 1941. The song is Baby Mine. Um, mm. It is also featured in the 2019 live action remake. Um, sung by Betty Noyes. Um, Mrs. Jumbo, Dumbo's mother, is locked away in her circus wagon and she sings her baby as to a lullaby. Um, Noyes was a music dub for Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain. Um, and again, was not given original credit uh, for her performance. Uh, the song is nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. It's been covered by Bette Midler for the Beaches soundtrack, Alison Krauss for the Best of Country sing the Best of Disney, and numerous other parents singing to their children on albums. So Never forget talk. Katy Perry dressed up in an <laughs> elephant <laughs> jumbo, yeah. And yeah. Her, to her puppy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk about Baby, Baby Mine. I mean... It's really a beautiful lullaby. I think uh, um, 
everyone's been sung it before. This song sends um, me out. This whole yeah. scene just like makes me blubber like a baby. Yeah. The fact that her, um, the carriage that she's in says danger, mad elephant. And all she wants to do is see her baby. Like, Ooh, it, it takes me yeah, out of it. This is really completely. the beginning of Disney being like parents. Haha, <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah. This is around, well, actually, this is, a, I believe, around the time that Walt is really going through it um, because he had lost his mother. Mm. And he was, go- most of the films have, like, these harsh, uh, like, most of them don't have mothers or, um, like, starting around Bambi, it became very apparent. But this is all because of his traumatic, like, experiences as, a, as an adult man dealing with the loss of his mother who was, like, his ground. Um, yeah, and I feel like this is one of the most beautiful Disney songs. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I think out of a movie that a lot of people don't pay a lot of mind to, it's a very powerful song. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a beautiful song, and I I absolutely would put it on my top list for sure. Personally. Unfortunately, I do think I do think it's forgettable in the fact that. I feel like unless you mention it, like people who are very um, knowledgeable about the Disney canon, we know it. But I mm-hmm. think when it comes to something that is iconic that um, people always think of, I do like I'm all for the song, but I do think we also have to take in consideration that. For yeah, sure. but at the same time, I'm going to argue with people that uh, Candle on the Water is one of the best Disney songs, but I'm... no one knows that song. <laughs> but it's still a great song, whether you know yeah. it or not. Yeah, I think uh, there's so many great underappreciated, not well-known Disney songs that are better than a lot of the ones that most people know. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it gets difficult to discuss. And I mean, like, even Disney kind of pushes Pink Elephants on Parade more. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Song, and would I say it's a better song? No. Well, I think we're getting, are we getting, is Pink Elephants on the list? Nope, didn't put it on there. Oh, okay. What well, I was going to say, Pink Elephants visually is stunning and groundbreaking. Yeah. The yes. song itself is... Who cares? What about when I see an elephant fly? I didn't put that on the list either. Because of its racial undertones? Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's very problematic. Very, very problematic. Um, there, there are a couple moments. There's one. There's, there's definitely one problematic song on this list that I think will get a cut, but again, that one I wanted to talk a little more well, about. But... The, yeah, with I, I've seen Elephants Fly. I think it's a really cute song. It's a cute scene. If you're just looking at it as birds taunting a elephant, yeah, sure. But the racial undertones, yeah, are are problematic. Yeah, I think. But that doesn't. I don't think that negates it. Yeah, I think "Baby Mine" is the song from Dumbo. That if we're gonna, if we if we only could put one song through, this is gonna be the song that moves forward. The others, I don't think would stand much of a chance. Yeah, I agree. I think because I, I just love this song. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I think we're, we're moving forward with Baby Mine and moving on to our next film um, from 1942. It is Bambi. Uh, we are going to talk about Little April Shower. Mm. Um, music by Frank Churchill and Larry Morey. It appears after a day of fun for Bambi as he and his mother settle down and witness the rain um, just before the night storm. It's also featured in Bambi too, because that was a movie we all needed. <laughs> is that the one with the rock as Bambi? I don't remember. Right? I, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's an skit. Um, <laughs> the oh, live action remake. <laughs> yeah. Um, Little April Shower. It's a, it's a very interesting scene. I think it's cute, and I think I remember it from, like, like a silly sing-along yeah. um, type thing. I, 
from the film, I don't know. Like, I had forgotten it was from uh, Bambi. I was trying to remember what it was from, and I looked up the song, and I was like, oh, this is in Bambi? That's what it's from? Mm-hmm. And I just forgot. But it, I do think this is a very cute song and scene. Um, yeah. Just as a little earworm that gets stuck in your head and just makes you want to smile. Yeah, because we didn't. There's not many. There's not much um, musical musical moments from Bambi. No, it's not really a musical. Because I mean, could no. you imagine what the song would be? We'd get when Bambi's mom gets murdered. Uh, yeah, maybe mine. <laughs> I think. <laughs> didn't they write? Didn't like uh, Jesse J and Ariana Grande write a song called Bang Bang? You know? Oh my God! Oh. Get out! <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the Todrick Hall live action. <laughs> Bambi. Bambi in three minutes. What songs are we going to use? Oh, God. God. Um, don't, give him, don't give him any more ideas. Oh, man. But, yeah, I, I, again, Bambi is not necessarily remembered for its music. No. It's remembered for her mother, mother. Um, and, and visuals. I would say it's definitely remembered yeah, for visuals. visuals. And, and, you know, some really cute characters. But this song is there. Is it a classic Disney song? Sure. Is it something that's going to move forward? I don't know. Let's just let's let's figure that one out. Okay. I, I would vote yes because I think it's cute. I, but... I yes and I have reasons. Go for it. Okay. I feel like this song has had weird pop cultural like covers. Like I think REM covered it, which is okay. Why would REM cover a Disney song? I do not why know. Not? We did. Um, and I think that. Um, on top of that, I feel like it's also like one of the more obscure songs that uh, Disney Parks kind of uh, uses because in World of Color, there's this amazing influence with it. That's just mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like a remix of it that's kind of scary, but I feel like it's very like uh, powerful and it's like beautiful to look at. And I, I definitely feel like it has staying power and that it's a, it's a song that when you hear it, it's like an instant kind of like, you know the song, it's in your head. I yeah. feel like underappreciated well done okay sure i can support it until it takes away one song (laughs) (laughs) and then it's and then i will fight okay okay um so how what do we want should we move it forward or put it on top yeah we we can we can move forward okay i I think it's a moving forward song um and we're gonna put it in our notes ready to put it on the chat like the second oh yeah yeah no i question i have um, (laughs) you got them ready for me I have extensive notes. <laughs> We're moving on to 1950 um, after a big jump of films in between, but it is now time for Cinderella. And we are going to talk about A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, uh, written and composed by Mark David, Al Hoffman, and Jerry Livingston, voiced by Eileen Woods. Cinderella encouraged her animal friends to never stop dreaming. Uh, the song was performed by Lily, Lily James for the live action remake soundtrack. Um, and it's definitely one of those songs that follows in the footsteps of When You Wish Upon a Star as a landmark Disney dream anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is another contender to win it all, I think. To me, this is my number two. When You Wish Upon a Star and then A Dream As You Wish Your Heart Makes are my one and two, personally. I, would have... I know they're tropes, but... I feel like it's such an iconic song. I feel like you go to any Disney park, you go to any Disney store, any Disney property, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's definitely on the playlist. It's on the playlist. It's on the merchandise. I mean, my mom has a pillow that has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's Gay like... Gaston has merch that has this song <laughs> lyrics on it. I feel like it's a very 
very recognizable, iconic Disney song. I feel like it's, I mean, I feel like there's no real discussion to be had. I feel like it has to be moving on because it's just one of those songs that like instantly the classic. I'm pretty sure this is on like some top 10 list of like wedding songs somewhere too. Probably. Like this, I know like any girl that gets married at Disney, they use this song. I mean, the song I would push through from Cinderella didn't even make the list, but whatever. So... What was your song? So This Is Love. Oh, I agree with that, too. I, I, okay, I will say that song and and uh, Dream Is A Wish Your Heart Makes kind of is in balance with me. Like, I feel like I like both of them for different reasons, and I both think that they're great songs. Um, I feel like So This Is Love is... I feel like because it also became like a almost like a standard, like it mm-hmm. was removed from the movie, and there are many like uh, jazzy covers of it. Made. I was gonna say it feels like a product of its time, like it's very that '50s crooner Billie Holiday kind of song. Um, so I think that that's why I don't necessarily put that song as I identify it with a Disney movie, um, but I think. I think, yeah, Dreams of Wish Your Heart Makes is a, a no-brainer. Yeah. Also, like, so This Is Love, I think, was even on Eileen Woods' album. Like, she mm-hmm. made, I think that was one of the songs on it. So I feel like it's not, like, it's a great song, but do I necessarily associate it with Cinderella? Yes and no. Yeah, right. I, th- I think the Dreams of Wish Your Heart Makes is Cinderella. And then our next song is also Cinderella. And everything else is like okay if you're a super disney fan you're here for it but it does not it's not as that it's, it's not iconic cinderella so it's sing um, sweet nightingale no no um so I, I think we're all safe saying a dream is a wish your heart makes is moving on 100 um, yeah well let's talk about our next one which again i think is it's our first real big silly song um it's bibbidi bobbidi boo uh written by al hoffman mac david and Jerry Livingston, performed by Vernon Felton. The song watches the fairy godmother as she transforms Cinderella's clothes into a ball gown, a pumpkin into a white carriage, mice into a horse, a horse into a coachman, and a dog as a footman. Nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song in 1951, this was the entry. Um, performed by Helena, Helena Bottom Carter for the live-action remake, it has been parodied and referenced in everything from Dragon Ball series to South Park and many, 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 many Disney stories. Um... Again, this is the really a big, silly song that we all know, and I I think this is more classic Cinderella than um, the others, and that's why I think I put this one on there. I thought this song won an award. I thought it was an Academy Award winner. Um, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong, but let's check. Um, I love this song, and I think it's adorable. This whole scene is cute, and it's even getting more traction now with um during quarantina uh people are saying there's all sorts of t-shirts and merch out there that says bibbidi boppity back the fuck up and i just think it's adorable <laughs> it was only nominated did not win okay well i mean this this is like i think this along with when you wish upon a star is like this is iconic disney because hey there's bibbidi boppity boutique running mm-hmm. around through the parks and disney springs and whatnot and um, like, I feel like this song, immediately you hear one word and you automatically like know what's going on, know what's happening. Yeah. 
And half the lyrics are nonsensical. They're not even real words. So I feel like this is such a Disney song. Like you think, like you hear the song, you know it's Disney because it, I mean, Disney loves writing songs that kind of make no sense. But, you know, in the context, they, uh, you know, they're very story oriented. I feel like this is such a iconic song for the reasons that it like it kind of is like the song like as you said made up of nonsensical words mm. yet it's so recognizable so like you know everybody knows the words yeah. it's right kind of, like well fun fact hard to not think of uh cinderella without thinking of this song it's hard to not think of even disney without thinking of this song yeah and fun fact like the fairy godmother her voice is the voice of flora from uh sleeping beauty mm-hmm you got a lot of recycled act- voice actors. Yo, they movie. they reused her so much. I love them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo is one of those songs that will is going to end up moving forward. Um, it is a classic, silly song. Um, we all know it. It has such a big presence in the parks. I mean, and if we're talking about moments in a movie, this is probably like either the first or second most recognizable moment in. Cinderella. It's either this or the the glass slipper. So, mm-hmm. um, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, I think, is is definitely another one that stands the test of time, and we all we all love it. No, this is this is another one that's no question for me. I feel like Disney equals magic, and this song is, is magic. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is um, if you go to the Grand Floridian Hotel at Disney World, this. Well, this and so this is love. They're like this um, because that's uh, they do character dining with Prince Charming, Cinderella, mm-hmm. stepsisters, um, and Lady Tremaine, and they waltz to "So This Is Love," and then there's a grand celebration with this song. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Listen, listeners, if you want to yell at me for not including "So This Is Love," go for it. Robbie <laughs> will join in, in the fight as well. Um, oh, I sent you a whole page. Of I songs know. That you oh, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I had to. I literally sent one song, and I was like, "I'm just gonna send this song before I change my mind and send a different one." This was definitely oh. a list of ones to suggest. <laughs> there were also more from Robin Hood that I liked, and there were more from Yeah. Yeah, Robbie's got a list. Robbie's like, "What this the is, fuck?" This is, and this is just me picking. I was like, I can't send him all the ones that I think he missed, but. You know. Yeah, we'd be here forever if we did every single. I say all of mine. All of mine were from live action films, so that's why I, I just gave up. <laughs> all right, we are going to move on to our next film, and it is mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland, nineteen fifty one. Uh, is the unbirthday song by Mac David, yes. Jerry Livingston, and Al Hoffman, performed by Ed Wynn as the Mad Hatter and Jerry Colonna as the March Hare, as they celebrate an unbirthday with a table full of whistling teapots. Um, classic. This is a, definitely another classic, and. Cut for me cutting down Alice in Wonderland was hard because there are some good songs in there, but I think this is again when you when you go to the Disney parks, maybe it's because it's the attraction, but this is the song you hear from Alice in Wonderland. Well, I think this one's the most catchy. There are sure. some good songs. Golden Afternoon is a really cute song and a cute scene, mm-hmm. but it's uh, not the most catchy. Own. Yeah. Well, the both of the Alice songs are kind of okay. They're yeah. cute songs, but they're not the most catchy or memorable. But I would say this is this is a song that gets stuck in your head. This is the earworm. This is the yeah. one you end up singing. Mm-hmm. I, 
And the, what gets stuck in my head isn't the song itself. It's the ride music from <laughs> the teacups. Mm. It's it's just the instrumental version of it, to be honest. It's the whistling teapots that I always did. Yeah. Yeah. evil thing at Disneyland because the queue for Alice in Wonderland is right by the teacups. Mm-hmm. So while you're waiting about 40 minutes on like a crowded day, you basically are the teacups over and over and over again. It's stuck in your head. My favorite part of the queue at, uh, at Alice in Wonderland, though, is uh, the person speaking in Spanish with a British accent, <laughs> trying to do the Alice voice. Great one. It's my favorite part. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but yeah, again, this is one, uh, one of those moments in the movie where you're like, this is what I remember, because it's just crazy, mm-hmm. it's weird, and as a kid, you're like, I want to have an unbirthday all the time. Mm-hmm. Celebrate me. Yeah, I Agreed. feel like... Alice in Wonderland is such a powerful uh, musical because it's so out there. Yeah. Like, the music is very unique to the movie. I feel like there's the walrus and the carpenter, which pretty much mm-hmm. completely the whole story. There's, um, you know, the March of the Cards, which is, like, this insane instrumental track that, like, takes yeah. up, like, three minutes in the film of, you know, cards marching in a circle. And then and painting your roses red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the opening track, I feel, too, is just, you know, that, uh, I think it's called Alice in Wonderland. Um, yeah. It's such a beautiful song, but, like, at the well, end... Well, I think... When you think this... of... Sorry, go ahead. Other than you think of Alice in Wonderland, you're going to think about this track. Because, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's such an easily recognizable... Like, part, the teacup ride literally uses this, um... The end of the attraction at Disneyland ends with a cake exploding, and they go a very merry birthday to you. And yeah. it, you know, it's just a song that everybody knows. See, the one at Disney World just ends with a harsh stop and a big squeak, and then that's the end of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say with the Alice in Wonderland dark ride, this is. I think this is the only song that's actually represented in it. Even yes. though that you see the flowers, you see them painting the roses, but it's the only one that actually has like lines or music or lyrics from the um, song. So as far as I remember. No, actually, it, that's incorrect. I'm just gonna correct Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, there's actually at almost every song except for the opening track and, um, and Walrus and the Carpenter are in the attraction. Just, they're not very noticeable because it's so dialogue heavy. Mm. But the, the the flowers do sing golden after. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, fuck my drag. <laughs> <laughs> so how are we feeling? Unbirthday song, chopping block, or moving forward? I say I say move it forward. It's fine, but if it stands in my way, it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna yeah, be a theme. I would say, I would say uh, move on, but we'll we'll reexamine if there's if we need to go back. Like, not the most like I'm not gonna listen to this just to listen to Disney songs. Why sure, not? I am. I am. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next film. Uh, We're going to Peter Pan from 1953. We are going to start with You Can Fly. uh, Music by Sammy Fain. Lyrics by Sammy Kane. uh, Sung by the Judd Conlon Chorus and the Mellow Man. Um, This happens when Peter, Tinkerbell, and the Darlings fly off to Neverland. Again, moments in a movie. This is iconic. This is classic. This is Disney. This is my number one. No one will fight me on it. I, I will fight. I will drive to New York 
and fight <laughs> face to, six feet apart. You know what? I will fight it just to get you to New York. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, You Can Fly is a great song. Yeah, I think it's a cute song. It's a cute scene. I used to jump off my couch thinking I could fly as a kid, <laughs> singing this song. So 100%. Um, I was looking, is, uh, do we have Second Star to the Right on the list, though? We do not. Okay. Just gonna say, mm-hmm. I love Second Star to the Right because I think it's a beautiful classic song, but as far as iconography, I would definitely say You Can Fly is more iconic than Second Star to the Right. Yeah. He also left off Your Mother and Mine, which is like a parallel to Baby Mine, kind of. But, but Baby know. Mine is much better than... Yeah. yeah. And obviously left out the great... Um, song about why the red man is red oh god you mean yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that song oh that 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 song is a song that disney loves to forget but um that that reason why they have a sensitive sensitive warning on peter pan on disney plus the sole (laughs) reason it's because Um, of that song you can fly is such an iconic song it has the mellow man iconic disney um group that just how many songs have been disney um I feel like this song is so instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. People line up for up to two hours to ride this attraction at any any of the parks that has it. Mm-hmm. This is my number one fast pass. You literally well, you know, Disneyland, which is we tried it, it didn't work. <laughs> but it's uh, it is such a stunning scene when you're you're in the nursery and all of a sudden you exit the window and suddenly you're flying over london and it's just like the stars are twinkling and now in the disneyland version at least there's a little tinkerbell that follows you around mm-hmm. which i i mean i feel like this is such like a beautiful classic disney song that like honestly there is no discussion to be had it's just yeah well, what gags me is people used to queue two hours before they had the interactive queue at disney world and then they finally oh, gave them the, the interactive queue so that they could have something to do, but people still waited two to three hours for that attraction before yeah. they had that queue. Oh, well, you should see what the interactive queue at Disneyland is. It's basically they cut out a bunch of wooden shapes. I think it's cute. I love it though. <laughs> you find the different shapes, and then you get to the lantern. You click a button on your phone, and, and Tinkerbell shows up. Yeah, I love this, it. I love this... I love doing it with other people that don't know about it and making Tinkerbell <laughs> show up, and they're just like, "Where did that come from?" Because they're just looking at this lantern, like, "What's that?" Well, this is also the, like, pivotal moment in the Castle show. In Happily Ever After, they sing You Can Fly, and then Tinkerbell takes her butt off the castle and goes off. And that's, that is, like, the crux of the whole 18-minute show. Like, that is mm-hmm. the highest moment. And it's when then the 12,000-part harmonies come in. I don't know if you guys have seen Happily Ever After. I haven't. I've seen it online. So like that, like I think, again, this is my number one. This is the one I will fight to the death with people for. Yeah, I mean, I think this one definitely moves forward. We're going- I say move it forward. It's not number one to me, but I say move (laughs) it forward. All right, all right. We're going to talk about one more from Peter Pan. Um, And I selected Following the Leader. Um, music by Oliver Wallace, lyrics by Ted Sears and Winston Hebler. Um, it is performed by Paul Collins as John Darling and Tony Batula as the Lost Boys as John leads them in a game of Follow the Leader. Um, I put this one on there because, again, as a kid, this is one of those songs that 
you always listened to. I mean, you went to school and you always had to follow follow your line leader and it had a cultural impact. Well, and it was in Silly Sing Along. They literally yeah. go to like, it's Tom Sawyer Island. They go mm-hmm. all over. I think the song in this scene is cute, but to me, it's just a rework of Hi-Ho. Fair, fair. I, I, I very much agree with that. It's cute. Do I think it's the most iconic Disney song? Do I think, do I think of this song when I think of Disney songs? No. Okay. Yeah, the I would scene is adorable. I'll cut it to make way Dragon for... the Bear. Something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's I say put it on the chopping block. Chopping block. Okay, okay. Um all right, let's move on to our next movie. It is nineteen fifty five and we are going to talk about Lady and the Tramp. Uh starting with Bella Note. Not Bella Noche, she's a drag queen. Um music by Sonny Burke and lyrics by Peggy Lee. Uh the song is performed by George Givote as Tony as Lady and the Tramp eats spaghetti together on a romantic moonlit dinner. Um, again, this is a classic Disney moment. Um, who hasn't had a fantasy of um, eating a string of spaghetti and locking lips? With a dog? Not with a dog, a <laughs> person. I don't share food. I don't share food. It's not... <laughs> no, no, get your own plate. <laughs> um, beautiful song. Yeah, beautiful I think it's a beautiful song. song. Is it my? It's not my favorite song from this movie. The next okay. one is my favorite song from this okay. movie. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, it's Peggy Lee, iconic. Uh, it's such a uh, great song. Just in the, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people. I mean, I don't know where other people stand on this, but from what I've observed, I feel like a lot of people are not as cultured to understand what the the title of the song means. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people who go to Disney parks, um, I. Not to be rude, <laughs> but are, a lot of people that I've experienced aren't the most cultured in other languages. Um, no. But um, I feel like this song definitely has, um, I mean, it's, it's like a foreign language title, and I feel like it's such a beautiful scene, iconic Disney scene of the spaghetti. I feel like this yeah. has to move. I think based on the scene alone makes this song iconic because you can't think of that scene and not have this song in the back of your head. Yeah. Um, and this scene's been recreated in like more, probably more movies than there are on this list. Like, yeah, this is, I think definitely should move forward. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, I have not seen the live action remake yet. I know it's on Disney oh, it's Plus. Cute. It's very cute. Um, oh, scary. Would I recommend. Like it. I don't watch Disney. Unless you have a dog. If you have a dog, don't watch it because they're just going to bark the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe I won't do that. I think it didn't need to happen. Oh, I I felt like if it didn't happen, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll watch it eventually, but. I just avoid all live action remakes. I just avoid them. I don't like any of them. Yeah, they're they're, they're controversial. Some of them are really good. The only thing I. The only one that I fully, fully like is Malevolent. I one, like yeah. it solely for Angelina Jolie. Like the second yeah. one, I literally was like, I can just watch her on screen for two hours, leave yeah. everyone else out. And I even love Michelle Pfeiffer, but I was like, no, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, Michelle Pfeiffer was still great in that movie. Don't knock <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. Have All you right. seen Sinbad? <laughs> I, think it, I think that live action was so successful because it wasn't a basically beat for beat remake. Correct. Sure. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, I think Bill and Ote, we are all in agreement that we'll move it forward. Yeah, for cool. sure. And we're going to stick with Lady and the Tramp for the kind of controversial song entry of this um, list. Um, the Siamese Cat Song. Um, <laughs> music by Oliver Wallace, lyrics by Peggy Lee and Sonny Burke. Um, it's also referenced as We Are Siamese. Um, it is voiced by Peggy Lee, sung by C and Am, Aunt Sarah's two Siamese cats. They sing when they first meet Lady and cause much destruction to the house. Um, if you don't remember, it is covered by Hillary and Haley Duff on Disney Mania 2. Sure is. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a controversial, um, take of a culture, but it's, it's, we all remember I like this song and this scene because it's so scary. Because those yeah. cats are freaking They're terrifying. evil. They're evil. Um, and like, as a kid, I didn't get that it was supposed to be a Chinese stereotype. Like, I just thought they were evil. Like, they're just bad and mean and they have scary eyes and faces and no. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it's, I mean, it's definitely one that like, I'm sure we all shamefully admit that we know very well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like even though it's kind of like, I mean, it's classic Disney saying that aren't the most racially sensitive, um, and, you know, kind of like uh, you know, creating good melodies and good songs, but you know, there of course are the parts of the songs that you know, lyrically aren't the uh, most politically correct. Yeah. I don't think it needs. I would put this on the chopping block. I yeah. would say it needs to be reevaluated, maybe, in yeah. comparison to some other things. Yeah, it's the only, the, the only thing I like about it is the drums in the back that are like boom, 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 and that's mm -hmm. that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got for this song. <laughs> well, let's move forward to one more Lady in the Tramp entry. Um, it is "He's a Tramp," um, used by Oliver Wallace, lyrics by Sonny Burke and Peggy Lee, and is performed by Peggy Lee as Peg the Pekingese, who implies she had a relationship with the Tramp in the past. Um, Janelle Monet performs the song in the Disney Plus live-action remake mm -hmm. um, and is ranked number 15 on the 100 Years 100 Songs for AFI. This um, is my jam. This is, like, the song for me. I don't know why. I just love this song. Yeah. Um, it's so brassy. Again, like, like So Is Love, it kind of sounds like a, like a jazz standard. Well, it's Peggy Lee. But it's brilliant. It's a brilliant jazz standard. And even just this, like sassy Pekingese dog with the with her one eye covered and she flips her hair like just it's a great scene and a great song yeah. I love this song I will fight someone on this song if someone <laughs> wants to chop this song I love Peggy Lee and I think this song is like one of those songs that is so underappreciated in the Disney sphere I feel like this song deserves so much more love than it gets I feel like it's so easily forgotten by so many people but it's like honestly it's like as was said already, like it's got like this jazzy quality. It just sounds, mm -hmm. and um, it's it's a really good song. Like I would say, this is probably the least Disney song on this list, but it's also I like it for that reason as yeah. well. Um, well, if you love this song, I'm going to do a little plug right now. You can come to Elation, um, a digital drag party, Disney edition, as one of our queens, Misty Mountains, may be performing. He's a tramp for her number. Woohoo! August 14th, 6 p.m. at Zoom. More details later. <laughs> Listen, oh. Zoom's gonna be the biggest club in the world soon. 
Um, yeah, I think He's a Tramp is a great song. Um, I see no reason why it shouldn't move forward. Agreed. Yeah. Well, well let's Down. move over to our next film. We're moving into 1957. It is Sleeping Beauty. Um, we're going to start and only say with Once Upon a Dream. Uh, written by Jack Lawrence and Sammy Fain with a melody by Tchaikovsky. It is performed by Mary Costa and Bill, Shir- Bill Shirley as Princess Aurora and Prince Philip. And there is a very notable cover done by Lana Del Rey for the Maleficent movie. Um, again, we're, if we're talking about classic Disney princess songs, I think this is up there. Mm-hmm. If this, if anyone puts this on the chopping block, I'm leaving. No. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm out. Can. No, this is definitely um, one that has, again, stood the test of time. And I think as much as I don't love Lana Del Rey, she definitely breathed new life into it. Well, I, I love think... this song because I love the Sleeping Beauty Tchaikovsky score. So just yeah. adding lyrics to that makes this song even more beautiful. Yeah. To me. I think Prince Philip has the most attractive Prince voice, too, <laughs> across, like, out of, like, don't act like you weren't attracted to cartoons and you still aren't <laughs> attracted to people who are cartoons and like Prince Philip I think hey he's he's the only one who battled a dragon um like and so this song like his singing voice his speaking voice and I think um Aurora's like I just this is my favorite duet mm-hmm He's also the only prince that really put himself like of early princes that really put himself into danger for the sake of the princess. Like, he literally was tied up by Maleficent. <laughs> but I feel like this song, um, I mean, it's another classic, classic Disney song that I feel like goes so uh, far, like, time-wise. Like, literally, it's withstood the test of time. It's been covered so many times. I feel like everybody knows the words, and it has so much... Um, presence in the theme parks and yeah. uh, and honestly it's just I mean a great song period yeah agreed yeah there's no reason why this one doesn't move forward either do it All right we're gonna move into 1961 the movie 101 Dalmatians the song Cruella DeVille written by Mel Levin performed by Bill Lee as Roger Radcliffe as he's inspired by his schoolmate Cruella DeVille um, and it's been covered on Disney Mania albums by Lane, Sky Sweetnam, Hayden Panettiere, and Selena Gomez. Um, this could be one of those songs that wins the uh, best Disney villain song bracket. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's so iconic. It's, it's brilliant. Great. And everyone knows it. <laughs> I love this song. No, I think it's very cute, and I like that it's um, a villain song not sung by the villain. Yes. And she's completely oblivious to it happening, but it's like the perfect theme music for her. Like, it, it's more like a villain theme song. This is her theme song. Mm-hmm. When she walks into a room, this is what you hear. Right. Yeah, honestly, this song is such a good villain song. Um, I feel like it's, like, visually, like... Um, matched up with the visuals that are in the movie, I feel like, and even in like, you know, all the different like music videos that Disney's made based on the song, I feel like they've done a lot with it. Um, I feel like it's such like a classic, uh, it has such a like a unique sound as far as Disney. I feel yeah. like it's very, like, it's not a very like upbeat, it's more like bluesy and you know, mm. it has like, it's like a 
piano-based song, which is like pretty standard, but um, I feel like it's definitely musically very complex, and I feel like there's a lot of unique qualities that make it such a great villain song. I, I love this song, and this like 101 Dalmatians live action, perfect. Like mm -hmm. you get, and then even 102 Dalmatians, and they're remaking 101 Dalmatians, and I'm not, I'm not here for it. But... Well, it's not a remake. It's it's more of the origin story of to Cruella. Cruella. Yeah, Emma Stone. I'm not a fan of her, but you know that's here nor there. Yeah, I'm excited about it. But no, I think again, if we're talking about Disney villains, Cruella Deville is definitely top five. Um, she literally this... wants to skin dogs. Yeah, because she she's she the most realistic. Yeah. She murders for fashion, okay? Like she, she's practical. She's one of the most realistic Disney villains. And that's what makes her so terrifying. Yeah. Um she's and she's yeah. not a fantastical beast or Yeah, and to and to pair this song with her, it's great. It's a really, really mm -hmm. well conceived song. Also she's Agreed. one of the best characters to interact with at the parks. <laughs> yeah. So much right. fun. Are we moving this one forward? Yes. Oh, absolutely. On. Cool. Next. All right. So this one's a, a, a slightly controversial pick, but I kind of want to put it on there because I, I'm a fan of it. Um, it. We're in 1963. The, song, the movie is Sword in the Stone, and we're going with Higgitus Figgitus, um, written by the legends Richard and Robert Sherman. It is sung by Carl Swenson as Merlin as he packs his things, um, and it is featured as the bass for a silly song medley in On the Record. Um, if, if you know me, you know how much I love that song. Um, let's talk about Higgitus Figgitus. It's another silly song in the realm of Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, but not as good, mm -hmm. right? No. He is such an iconic character, even like in his parks representation, the new parade that got a very short moment at Disneyland had a break in Merlin on the Sword and the Stone float, and it was. Genius. I love Merlin. I feel like he's a Disney character that, because Sword in the Stone isn't exactly the most popular film, he doesn't get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. I love the song. I love Merlin. Is it a song that I would fight for? I don't know. But I definitely like it. Yeah. Okay, so I forgot that I did have a song that I had wanted to pitch, but I decided not to pitch it because I thought I liked the character more than I liked the song. But if Are you're you... gonna if you're gonna propose Higgitus Figgitus, I think that Mad Madam Mim song is better than Higgitus Figgitus. Okay, it's fair. It's fair. Well, I I think there, I think there are two songs that are better in this than I like. I think um, Mad Madam Mim, and that's what makes the world go round. Mm. Like those songs, I think of with this movie. Yeah. That's fair. So I think we're in agreement that Higgitus Figgitus may be on the chopping block right now. Yeah. No, right. and listen. And if, you, if you were going to listen to Higgitus Figgitus because of this, listen to the Mad Madam Mim song instead because it's better. <laughs> all right, all right, listeners. Well, we're going to quickly move away from Sword in the Stone because I think this is a little controversial here, but we're going to move wait, over. Does he get to... Are you pitching? Are yeah, you pitching? It wasn't, it wasn't, I'm not yeah, going to pitch yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we're moving on to 1967 to The Jungle Book, uh, starting with The Bare Necessities, written by Terry Gilkson. Uh, performed by Phil Harris as Baloo and Bruce Reitheimer as Mowgli, as Baloo explains life as a bear and the relationship between Baloo and Mowgli grow. Um, and it's been covered by literally everybody. Yeah. Another classic. 
This song, again, one of the most easily recognizable Disney songs. I feel like it's on every list of best Disney songs. I, I feel like it's like everybody knows the chorus. Yeah. Kind of. I feel like, I mean, there are some great songs from Jungle Book. Um, I do like the other one more. Me too. <laughs> I would like, and you know what I mean when I say the other one. Um, I feel like this is a great song, and I think it should move forward just for the fact that it is such an iconic song. Yeah, I think it's definitely moving forward. Will it win? Probably not. Um, yeah, it's 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 an important song for the movie. It's an important song um, for Disney, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I th- I think because it's it holds its merit and it holds its weight that it has to move forward. Yeah. yeah rooting for it no no okay that's fair. i agree I well agree. let's let's move on to the other song from the jungle book mm-hmm. it is i want to be like you uh written by richard and robert sherman performed by louis prima as king louis who attempts to share his plight as an orangutan to mowgli um and for everyone who forgot it's performed by christopher walken in the live action remake because that's what we all needed <laughs> um, i feel like this is one of the greatest disney songs ever written it I agree. It's 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 a bop. I love. I it. love this song. Yeah. Uh, it is this in performance is amazing. Every single show at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. in Magical Map. It's in um, it's in Magic or not Magic Happens. It's in Fantasmic at Disneyland. I don't know if it's the Disney World version. Um, no. Okay. Oh, and it's um the fireworks Mickey's Mix Magic, a great remix of it that's like all funky, and it's it's just such a fun song. And it is so um, upbeat, and you know, it's like a song that you just want to dance to, kind of. There's like the tiniest motif of it in Fantasmic at Disneyland with the water projectors, and they're like every movie's coming up with the bubbles. There's only like one section of it. When they're dancing, yeah, they're like jiving together. I I love this song. I think it's a great performance. this is one of those songs that you can take out of this film and just listen to it by itself yeah. and be happy to listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's definitely one of the best Sherman Brothers written songs. Mm-hmm. Um, though they have a lot, um, they'll, they'll have a lot of entries when we do the. Disney I would say they have a lot of in um, live action mixed ones that yeah. I would have pushed for had but I been yeah. allowed. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll do a whole Sherman Brothers uh, show. <laughs> there you go. Here. Perfect. Um, where where uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang wins it all. Um, and on the world. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In what world? I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to be like you. Definitely should be moving forward. We're moving it yes. forward, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. All right. So we are going to move to 1970 with the Aristocats. Uh, first up is, and the only up is Everybody Wants to Be Cat, uh, written by Floyd Holston and Al Rinker, performed by Scatman Crothers as Scat Cat, Phil Harris as Thomas O'Malley. Phil Ravenscroft as Billy Boss the Russian Cat, Robbie Lester as Duchess, and Liz English as Marie. Eva Gabor did not sing as Duchess in this song. Um, I think the people who sing this song are instantly iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Crothers, legendary actor. Um, we got Thurl Ravenscroft of the Mellow Men. Um, it is such a fun song. Again, Disney has it in the fireworks show Mickey's Mixed Magic, which is essentially... It's a very controversial show because it's essentially EDM versions of old. I'm here for it. 
um, it's, it was fun. Um, but uh, I think that uh, it's such like a fun, upbeat song. I feel like the way it builds too is very uh, intense and it's a fun song to listen to. Um, as far as in the grand scope of things, do I think, it, think it's one of the best Disney songs? No, but I do think it's unique and it should move on for the fact that I feel like it is such a, like, you know, it's just a fun song to listen to. Yeah. It's not one of my personal favorites, but I do like it a lot. No, it's a great song. And it's, again, like I said with a couple others, it's a product of its time because it sounds very 60s. Um, but I, I love it. And I think it's a cute scene. Is this one of my favorite Disney movies? No, but would I put this on a top 50 list? Yeah, probably. I think I think Aristocats itself, though, is underrated for the music that's in it. Mm. I, it has, like... Of the classics, one of the best scores throughout, from the opening title sequence through to the end. Mm-hmm. But that's like Thomas O'Malley. Um, what other songs are in there? Exactly. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa, we went there. <laughs> I don't know this song. Yes. Anything else in it? I'm not gonna fight for. Cats <laughs> is very looked over. Like even when yes. like. You know, you would talk to people like, I did a lot of Disney trivia at the parks kind of thing. Like the second, like you bring up name, like seven Disney movies in France, there's like, you know, people only get so far. And then when it's like, it gets up to the Aristocats, people like completely forget that it takes place in France. Cause I feel like nobody yeah. remembers the movie or sure. not a lot of people. They remember Marie. That's about it. They remember the cute white cat with the pink bow. Yep. That's it. Everyone loves yeah. Marie. A lot of merch. So. Yeah. Like in, the movie. in like in merch. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I so we're moving it forward. We're going with it right now. Yeah, for sure. Great. All right. So let's let's go into some um, potentially more controversy, but we're going to the third straight Phil Harris movie um, where his voice is featured, and this time he's playing a bear again. But it is Robin Hood from 1973. Uh, the f- song that I pitched was Oodalali. Written by Roger Miller, um, this is the first song. Um, well, the first lyric song of the movie features Roger Miller as Alan Dale, the rooster singing about the adventures of Robin Hood and Little John. Um, and the phrase is a popular '50s saying meaning "yay" or "yippee." I love this song. I, I know a too. lot of people don't. I love and it. I love this movie. Like a I lot of people, last night. I don't know. I love this movie. I love this song. I forgot this, the like underappreciated as far as like Sword in the Stone, uh, this uh, Robin Hood, and maybe a couple others, but like this song, I don't know, I love this song, and I love that iconic opening scene with the rooster singing this song. Yeah. Um, for the I listeners, if you haven't seen Robin Hood in a while, I had, it, it had been a bit of time, but um, the first song, which is the whistle stop, is basically um, what Hamster Dance is. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. Li- literally... Go listen to the two, it's creepy. <laughs> It's the, um, yeah, yeah, I think. Well, that's what that's my only thing with Robin Hood is there's so much like recycled of so many things in this movie. It's like yeah. all the characters from Jungle Book are now placed in um, this movie. Yeah, um, even the vocal actors. Uh, the other movies were placed in this movie. It's yeah, over. yeah. I mean, I love that this 
I love that this movie's getting a remake because I think it needs like just a resurgence. Yes. Even if people just go back because the new one's coming out, they're going to go back and watch the original. I think that's what this movie really needs. And I actually pitched that to someone a long time ago and now they're doing it. Like just reanimate the same film that didn't get as much popularity as it deserved. And that's essentially what they're doing is they're reanimating it with CGI. So yeah. I'm excited about it. This is one yeah. of my Disney films. I think the music, I mean, if I could put every song and pitch every song I would, because I think it's so musically strong. Like this is the most underrated musical I feel because it just has so many great fun songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like um, Pony King of England, another iconic song. I feel like there are so many great songs in this film. Mm-hmm. As for Udalali, I feel like I mean, obviously, you'll find out that I did pitch a song from this movie. <laughs> but um, I, do, I do like all the songs in this movie. Do I think that this should be kept in comparison to the one that I pitched? No, but if we... Oh, yes. <laughs> all right, well, let, let's move... Let, let's, let's put this on the chopping block for a hot second because I think it is going to be controversial because I, if I'm going to pick one, I would pick this one. Um, but let's talk about Obscure Year. I want to hear yours before I say which one I would pick. I don't know which one yours is. Go ahead. So I pitched Love from Robin Hood. I think it is one of the most beautiful Disney songs ever written. The fact that it wasn't originally on the list, I was like, hmm. Because uh, I feel like it is such a great song. Um, the vocals in it are just beautiful. And it's like kind of the song that you just, you know, you want a good cry you listen to it because it's such a beautiful song and i think it's very powerful and it's from this movie that isn't necessarily the most popular and i feel like it's just an underrated track that we'll say it's on my list of songs that he missed so i support you (laughs) i will say this is i think the of, of all three lists that i did i think this is the only overlooked uh song that i did not include that was nominated for an academy award um for me it's just i forgot about it i forgot it even existed until i watched the movie it it didn't it doesn't resonate as a disney classic and i don't know if it's because disney has pushed robin hood so far aside that like the music of that movie doesn't um exist in like the theme park world as much um but like if Little little silly things like if you're gonna do a Disney night on American Idol and one of the contestants picks Oodalali, I was like, okay, wait, that's the song from the movie. Um, if if anyone hasn't seen it, it's a really good cover of it. But I don't know. Love for me is just it's is it a princess song? Sure. Is it one that we really remember? I don't know. Well, it's not really a princess song because none one of them are singing. It's a it's a narrative song. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a narrative song. It was yeah. also Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I thought was clever. And now Disney owns Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> but um, it was in it because I feel like they definitely wanted to draw the parallels of like Fox love stories and also yeah. like such a great song. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, is it easily recognizable as a film from that movie? No. But do I think it's the best song from that movie? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it sounds like we're going to put this one on chopping block right yeah. now. Yeah. I will support you if you support me. <laughs> oh, we're campaigning now. Oh. All right. So we're going to put this one on chopping block right now. 
Um, we're going to move on uh, to our next um, section, which again is I, I I was struggling whether or not these this would have been included simply because they were repurposed to be an animated film series. Um, but we're going to move to 1977 and The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and obviously start with the title song, Winnie the Pooh, written by the Sherman Brothers. Um, the song is the opening and theme song for the 1966 featurette, Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, which is part one of The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. The song has been covered by Carly Simon and Zoe Deschanel. And originally, Tigger is the only character not named in the song. Well, that's because he comes in through the movie. Right. Right. He comes in later. He's introduced later on. Right. Um, I mean, if we're going to pick one Winnie the Pooh song, it has to be Winnie the Pooh, right? I agree. I agree. If we're going to pick one Winnie the Pooh song, this would be the one I would pick because this is the one that gets stuck in my head the most. Or when I say the word Winnie the Pooh, I automatically go yeah. Winnie the Pooh, bump, Winnie the Pooh, bump. Yeah. It's how I feel right now, you know, up, down, I was trying on some earlier they don't really fit anymore it's quarantine <laughs> i'm about to rip my stuffing <laughs> yeah i i think this is a again one of the best sherman brothers songs um it's very recognizable um mm -hmm. as a kid you know it um again it's featured in uh the theme parks um so i don't think there's much to say about winnie the pooh the song maybe we should move to the next two entries that I included from winnie the pooh i agree Cool. I say moves so, on. This this one moves on. I think the next two are the, the ones that are like, could they be on chopping block? Very possible. First up, we'll talk about The Wonderful Thing About Tiggers, uh, written by the Sherman Brothers, performed by Paul Winchell as Tigger as he sings about himself. Um, originally appeared in the 1968 feature at Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, which is, again, part of the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Um, again, as a kid, I love this song. We all love mm -hmm. Tigger. I will um, say... Everyone who goes up and says hi to Tigger will sing this song to Lancy, him. Lancy. Mm -hmm. every, every single word of it, too. Somehow everyone knows every single word of this song. And they will sing it. So I will say, like, it has its merits. And I think it is very, very memorable. But it's just like Winnie the Pooh. That's his theme song. This is Tigger's theme song. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And Disney fans... When they go hard for Winnie the Pooh, they go hard for Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I feel like when people show up to the parks and they're winning, like literally, I have a friend who is currently on their way to Disney World. I disagree with going to Disney World right now, but whatever. Um, but um, is in a Winnie the Pooh Disney bound with a group mm -hmm. of friends. And it's like, I feel like Winnie the Pooh is one of those things. It's like, you know, people, when they love it, they love it. And totally. I feel like it's, it's Merit, there's merit to that because I mean it is such a uh, endearing story that is very like much like a it was my childhood and now I have so much love for it kind of thing. Well, and, and if there's any standalone character other than Pooh, it's Tigger. It's Tigger. Literally. Well, and the thing is too is there there's Crystal Palace which is dedicated to them and Grand Floridian at breakfast. It's dedicated to all British characters, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger being there specifically, and Tigger is out in the lobby by himself bouncing around to meet people. Like, he is a staple, and people are either, like, hardcore Pooh, hardcore Tigger. Mm -hmm. They just ignore the other one, kind of. Yeah, I agree. I think 
both honestly both of these songs need to stay for diehard poo and ticker fans okay so we'll we'll keep wonderful thing about tiggers on here right now and we're going to move on to our last entry from winnie the pooh which is heffalumps and woozles uh written again sherman brothers it is sung by the Mellowman um during pooh's nightmare originally appeared in the 1968 featurette winnie the pooh and the blustery day um and you know what it has drawn many comparisons to pink elephants on parade but i think heffalumps and woozles is a better song I think it almost has a more menacing sound to it oh, fully. to me. Um, and I think the visuals are, I like the visuals in uh, Heffalumps and Woozles more than I like Pink Elephants because it's, it's like Haunted Mansion. It's scary and funny. It's yeah. not just scary. So it's got mm-hmm. that tongue in cheek humor to like some of the looks of the um, Heffalumps and Woozles that you see. Whereas you don't get that as much with, um, like they thought they were being funny, but they were just being weird when they yeah. made Pink Elephants. In all honesty, yeah. I feel like Heffalumps and Whistles is like you know, it's like something that haunts every kid's nightmares kind of yeah. thing. Also, like even the scene in the attraction is kind of insanely terrifying. And like I feel with every version of the attraction they make, they make that scene a little more terrifying. Like the one that they installed at a uh, Shanghai is the scariest. Theme park attractions. See, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is one of my favorite attractions, though. To be honest, like the part where you bounce with Tigger, but going in, into the like Heffalumps and Woozles ride, remembering back to when I was five, I remembered that room specifically as a child, like that whole area, that song. Um, but I mean, I will say that with this song, I would offer it up on a platter to save some other songs. I would too. Yeah. I, w- I would agree. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I really love this song. I really love this scene visually, sound-wise. But would I tell someone this is, if they had to listen to any one Disney song, would I put this in a suggestion? I would probably not. Why not? All right. Why not? We're going to have the one has to be the one to go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's put it on the chopping block. All right. We're moving on to 1981 to The Fox and the Hound. Um, the song is Best of Friends, music by Richard Johnston, lyrics by Stan Fidel. Performed by Pearl Bailey as Big Mama, the song is about the beauty and magic of friendship, despite how Todd and Copper should be enemies. Um, I'm just going to go on the record and say, when I watched this movie for the first time, my mom thought someone actually died because I sobbed so <laughs> loudly when I watched it. Um, gorgeous song. I think this has to stay. Like, I... I have no ifs, ands, or buts about it. One of my best friends, her last name is Cooper. I call her Copper. She calls me Todd like this, like because it resonates with best friends and you know, you grow apart and you grow different, but there's always still that connection that you'll always, you may have a best friend that you haven't talked to for 10 years, but you catch up like nothing, nothing has gone by. Yeah, it's a See, I get that and I love that. I love this movie. I like this movie. I wouldn't say I love this movie. I like this movie, but I don't know. I, it's definitely not one of those that I'm like, I wouldn't fight for this song. If someone was going to tell me they wanted to chop it, I wouldn't fight for it. Um, I, I would fight for it. I think this is a great song, and I think it's underrated. I think it is definitely a song that I feel has... Um, has I feel like it's like a very popular song among Disney fans. You know, like, out of the Disney sphere, I feel like a lot of people don't know about Fox and the Hound, but I feel like people who do know about Fox and the Hound love this song because yeah. it is like a great 
great song. Like it's very, you know, beautiful and the, the sentiment behind it is great. And I feel like I, I think it should stay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm feeling like Best of Friends is a contender. I think this movie also is one of the underrated ones with great music. Yeah. Because there's um literally like appreciate the lady. Um there another song. I'm thinking of the second one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think I don't know. I think this is the song from the movie. Oh, that, there's that whole like poem, sad song when she's getting re- <laughs> she's taking him to the um, to the nature preserve. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would definitely say this is the song from this movie, but also. There's a reason why this saw, this movie is considered what almost ruined Disney animated studios. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it this one? Yes, this was one of this. this I mean, it's been said a couple times, a couple different I was like, times. Black Cauldron almost won. destroyed it all. Hold on, I'm like, <laughs> no, like, I like I love Black Cauldron too. I think it's a great film. I think that is the scariest villain. It's terrifying. 100%. Oh, 100 percent the scariest villain. Terrifying. But somehow, as a child. I was not terrified of him. I was like, I love this movie. Let's go. I was more terrified of Gurgi. Oh, <laughs> Gurgi. Well, I was scared of E.T., so, like... <laughs> and the fact that King was in an attraction at, um... Tokyo? Tokyo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my God. And you see, like, the footage of it? Terrifying. He's scary. Yeah, yeah he was real scary. All right, so best of friends, I think we're... Are we chopping blocking? Are we Are we moving forward? Moving, moving forward? I, I, okay, okay, all right. Well, now we're going to move to our last film because I know we have one movie that we're bypassing Robbie's pissed about, but we are going to talk about Oliver and Company, 1988, and we're just going to start with Why Should I Worry, written by Dan Hartman and Charlie Midnight, performed by Billy Joel as Dodger as he introduces Oliver to Street Savoir Faire. This was the first Disney song to be nominated for a Golden Globe. Um... (laughs) I think from this list, if it's not Oodle that I'm fighting for, it's Why Should I Worry. It's great. Such a good song. Such a fun scene in an yeah. film. Like, with all, like, the running around and, like, the, you know, it's, like, not only, like, a horizontal journey, but a vertical journey mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, there's all, like, the scaffolding and everything. I think it is such, like, a fun song. I think it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite Disney songs of all time. I mean, I would agree. Cool, it's iconic. There's another one that's a great pop song. Yeah. In its mm-hmm. own right. Yeah. This one and Streets of Gold, they both feel like not really like Disney. They feel like separate songs because they were pop songs. Whereas like um, that Miller feels. It feels musical theater. The yeah. Miller yeah. song, yeah. Um, I, I think Why Should I Worry is definitely one that should move forward. Um, and then we can talk about our next uh, Oliver and Company. It's not Streets of Gold. It's um, Perfect Isn't Easy. Because, again, nostalgia purposes. And, and again, as um, we all love drag, this is a beautiful drag number. Um, is music by Barry Manilow, lyrics by Jack Feldman and Bruce Sussman performed by Bette Midler as Georgette as an introduction song to her fancy, egotistical character. Um, is it a chopping block song? Probably. But I just wanted to be able to talk about it a little bit, because it's it's such a good scene. I agree, because it is... I feel like it 
part of it parallels like Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, like Marilyn Monroe. I think this song is very, like, I think it needs to stay. I'll fight for this one. Okay. To, okay. to me, of the two songs from this film, personally, I like Perfect Isn't Easy better. The one that's more listenable and more relatable to the masses is Why Would I Worry? Or Why Should I Worry? Um, but as a great musical theater song, as a great standard song, as a great character song, Perfect Isn't Easy is gold. I just think it's beautifully sung, beautifully performed, ridiculous, over the top, and brilliant. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really fun sequence, and it's Bette Midler. Who doesn't yeah. love Bette Midler? One of the campiest Disney songs for sure. Yeah. I think that, I think that it's definitely. I mean, like, do I think about this song a whole lot? but I do think that it is like within the, within the film itself I think that it definitely has a lot of uh, like staying power in the film like I think it's one of, I mean there's not a whole lot of songs in the film I feel that stand out but this is I think of this song every single time I get in drag <laughs> every <laughs> single time the passing the paint and the glue as I'm smearing it on I love this song Okay, okay, so scene. are we, what are we doing? Are we putting it, moving forward? Or it. Okay, so. I say keep it too, but we got to see how many we have. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about a chopping block. So basically, um, what we'll do is I'll go through the ones that we have as, that I put as an asterisk on the chopping block. Um, we need to eliminate 10 because we had two pitches. Um, so okay. are we ready to see what mm -hmm. we have so far? Um, if someone wants to keep count for me. So, first is Whistle While You Work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Wishing, one song. Give a mm -hmm. Little Whistle. Hi, Diddly D. Uh, following the Leader. Um, the Siamese Cat Song. Higgitus Figgitus, Oodle Love, Heffalumps, and Woozles. Is that Who 10? is counting? So that's, that's 10, but I'm going to fight. All right. For... So, okay. So we, we have 10 right there. And Robbie's ready to fight for um, uh, one song. One song. And. I like. I have a list of a few that I would like offer up on a platter. Okay. Are there any other songs that we we want to uh, reconsider? Um, first off, in in that those ten. I mean, I would fight for my pitch, but okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I, and and I'm kind of going. I don't know. Part of me wants to fight for Oodalali. I'm 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 stuck here. The others I can I'm I'm willing to get rid of, but Fifi, do you have any that you wanna um, fight for? I like Udalali. I think of the two songs from that film, I think Udalali is the iconic song. Um, All right, so we have three songs right now that we want to push forward. Are there three songs that we already said would push forward that we are able to cut? I think what comes to mind. Oh, that we said we would push forward? Yes. I mean, 
I, for me, I have like April shower, unbirthday. I've got no strings. Um, <laughs> I would agree with you on April shower. I can sacrifice April showers, I think. You can too. All right, April showers is gone. I'm sorry, uh, Bambi, you are not going to be in our final 64. Um, okay, okay. Um, any others? So we, there are two more if we can do an exact swap, or we got to start battling it out. Um, I don't know. Part of me is would be willing, and I don't think anyone else is going to attach themselves to it, is I would maybe cut Wonderful Thing About Tiggers. I, I think I would, too. I was going to mention that. I feel like out of the two Winnie the Pooh songs, it's less iconic. And I feel like as far as Disney music comes, I don't think of Winnie the Pooh as the most complex and beautiful music. Did we cut Heffalumps? We did. Yeah. OK. I'd be willing to trade it for <laughs> my, my pitch. Wait, which one was your pitch? I'm wishing slash one song. Oh, I mean, oh, <laughs> did, we, did, we, did we like? Did we completely cut that one? No, we, it is currently the on the chopping block. block. Oh, it's currently on the chopping. Yeah, I would swap it for that. Honestly, I feel like it's the it's a better song. Okay, that. okay. So we're 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 getting rid of Tigger. Sorry. I mean, again, I love Tigger, but I think. It wouldn't stand a chance chance in our next round anyway. Um, so right, in if in order to list get, the, list the chopping block again. Um, so the chopping block would be whistle while you work. Okay. Um, I'm wishing one song even uh, or we're gonna push that push that forward already. Uh huh. Um, give a little whistle. Hi, diddly uh -huh. D. Um, following the leader. Uh, Siamese cat song, Higgitus Figgitus, and then uh, Heffalumps and Woozles, and then either or right now, Oodle or Love. If there's one more song we can cut, we get both of them. Otherwise, we have to decide between one of them. It with, with the two of these, I say Love is the more beautiful song, and I think it's more well-written. I think Oodle is the more iconic, more notable song. I would have to agree. I was gonna say I would offer up a song, but not for either. Not for, <laughs> not for love. I mean, I'd offer up on birthday for. I would, I would honestly, when I think about it, unbirthday is not the. I feel like more people are annoyed by it than like it. <laughs> okay, interesting. I, don't I disagree see. with that because a lot of people say yeah. they're annoyed by it's a small world, but it's still in every park and it, right. people are still riding it. So. Right. That song may be the winner of the um, ultimate uh, <laughs> Disney theme park song. Yes, Robbie, don't shake your head. You know it's up there. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. I think Unbirthday is a 60, top 64. I agree. <sighs> um, I don't know. I would be more willing to do a different song from Alice in Wonderland over Unbirthday. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Um, I mean, I'd also be willing to offer up hi-ho or I've got no strings. I just don't think Oodle, either Oodle Alley or Love 
can surpass either of them. I don't think that they will make it to the finale if that's what we're going to talk about, honestly. If we're going to... I think what we're in, we're in the... It's going to be going to be between Love and Udalali. And right now, we I are, would fight for Udalali. I think that it's a split 2-2 two, two right now. because I'm an, we're, Me and Thiefy are team Udalali and Robbie and Obscura are team uh, Love. Mm-hmm. So... Like, well, if we look at what we have in there, I mean, I will say I don't feel like we have a lot of those, like, kitschy, like, catchy tune songs. We mm-hmm. have, like, Unbirthday. Um, and, like, Oodle and Winnie the Pooh. Whereas I do feel like we do have a lot of love songs, but I mean, you think of Disney and you think of love songs. Yeah. And again, it's, it's one of those things where is the Academy Award uh, nomination the thing that pushes love over to the win? Um, but but Oodalala is a more iconic song from uh, Robin Hood. So it, it's a battle of which one um, we want to push forward. Um I mean, we could. We there's always the option of putting it to a vote somewhere with within the rest of the panel to see what they say, or putting it a vote to the the Instagram listeners. Um, but I think right now we there aren't any other songs that we can cut to make way for uh, both of them. Hmm. The way that I look at it is, if you said you put a gun to someone's head and said, "Name a song from Robin Hood." Are they going to name love? Are no, they, they going to? <laughs> they certainly are, or they're going to start whistling. <laughs> See, I honestly think, like, if someone put a, I would probably start singing the Phony King of England. Yeah, I would too, because that's the more recognized. That's probably the most recognizable song from the movie for me, just because I feel like it's like this, like, riot song, almost. They're kind of like, fuck the king. And like they're kind of rising up against him, and I think it's a fun song. But like, but I mean, both of them for nominated for an award, right? And for me, when I made my initial list of of the eight songs I would cut, the other, the only song that I don't know if it would have any attraction to cut that I would have put in my first eight would have been "Perfect Isn't Easy." I thought about. Perfect isn't easy, but I would not sacrifice perfect isn't easy for love. That's my <laughs> thought on it. I, I just feel like as far as Disney songs, I feel like Why Should I Worry is a song everybody knows from Oliver and Company. Okay, okay. So But I personally think both Oliver and Company songs are stronger than both Robin Hood songs. I would agree with that, yeah. Okay, so Let's. Let me, I'm trying to figure it out. What are we trying to argue here? What's more Disney or what's a better song? Because I feel like. Yes. Because I feel like, if we're gonna get down to it, I feel like Love is much more lyrically beautiful and a bit more of an artistic song, lyrically and um, melody-wise. And then like Udalali's kind of like. I mean, it's a very Disney song. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a narrative song. It's like mm-hmm. little but walking through the forest. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's difficult because and then I, 
Well, let me, let so me, let me basically say we have one we have one spot left and we have two songs. Is that what we're yes. arguing? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is the other option of holding it for now um, and seeing how the other two panels go. I mean, I can tell you right now, the 90s is going to be highly contested. Um, for sure. I, am, I anticipate that one being an actual fight um, because... Um, anyone that wants to cut anything from Tarzan, send them directly to my DMs. I think that's Please my problem you. is that's what, I mean, if you saw what I put on there, I put them all on there and there's yeah. no way I can cut no. trash in the can. No, most but... people will try to cut them, but I love that entire soundtrack with my right. whole heart. And then, and then it's like, okay, so if we, if I were able to keep these two, is there an extra song um, in the 21st century that would be able to Yeah, cut? Trash in the Camp. <laughs> no, no, that's that's 90s. What I'm talking about <laughs> in the 21st century is there going to be an extra oh. song to be able to cut, which... I, there are there are a couple entries I put on there that I was like I'm not I I will I mean look my podcast I'm putting Lost in the Woods to the 64. Um, I oh. will Frozen Two honestly it's like there are so many good songs from Frozen Two it's it's like and also like I feel like Frozen musically all like the recent very very recent Disney films have such strong like you know like not a bad right. soundtracks that it's. Honestly, it's like arguing this. I feel is much more easy than the jobs. Yeah. Of- well, here, here's, here's, here again. Another option is with for those who love um, uh, NCAA basketball. There is always the win in game, and in this final um, podcast episode, it could be to have the Robin Hood spot be those final <laughs> panelists ballot that decide which one is going to move forward. So we we can keep all of them for now, and then have that discussion on episode four of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, you skipped over this movie. I just want to one more time reiterate, does anyone else feel as upset about, like, as I am, that we skipped over The Great Mouse Detective and some of... I do like The Great Mouse Detective. I do, would too. I, I just, but there's not a song right is... now that I would cut. For a great mouse detective, what song would you what were you fighting for? I mean, I have three on the list. No, what I said, what one song? <laughs> were you fighting for? Okay, if <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would, I guess I would have to choose Vincent Price over her. So I would have to say goodbye so soon, or let me be good to you. But I'm also. <laughs> Vincent Price was kind of a sh- shaper of my childhood because I was a weird child. No, I. it's like, it's hard to think about it, but I'm like, in the grand scope of things, I feel like we're, I feel like we need to battle it down to like the most iconic Disney film. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I would definitely argue with you that Mouse Detective needs more love. And I think there are a lot of films that need more love. Do I think it should take the place of some of these films that people actually remember? No. <laughs> I remember it, just like I remember the Black Cauldron. <laughs> oh, God. Terrifying. Listen, and we don't even have anything from Fantasia. And while those songs do not have words, they feel like they're beautiful. But they're also, they're songs from other things. Like right. they were they're, not, they're not written Disney for, songs. they were not written for Disney. True. You can't say Nutcracker is a classic Disney yeah. song. <laughs> No, no, no. no true, no. very true. Um, Night on Bald Mountain is not a Disney classic. I'm sorry. I love Night on Bald Mountain, though, in Fantasia. It's my favorite sequence. 
No, Chernabog, I would argue, is one of the scariest Disney villains. Oh, yeah, yeah fully, fully, fully. And he gets a lot of love in the parks, weirdly. I just want my body to look like his. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is, is anyone moving moving their Robin Hood ticker over, or are we, we going to try to... I think I might have only because, like, if we do have to go for the iconic, like, what are people going? I don't. Because I don't know. Because maybe say it. Like, maybe people will be like, "Why didn't you include Phony King of England?" <laughs> now you're pulling for a completely different song. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> like, I feel like Robin Hood has great music, and uh, I feel. Well, I- Great Mouse Detective has great music. We completely skipped over that movie. <laughs> oh, and again, it's like... It, valid argument. If we're going by, like, what Roger Miller wrote as well, I think quintessential Roger Miller is Oodalali. Yes. Yeah. And that song he did for... Uh, what is it? Uh, the one in Epcot. Didn't you do the song for that? Yeah. Um, I'm blanking. American yeah. Adventure? The American yep, Adventure. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had some really interesting writers in this uh, the mm-hmm. classic era of Disney. Yeah. In the '90s, we have one, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Phil Collins. <laughs> no, no, Alan Menken's all over the place. Oh. Um, but I mean, yeah, saying the most interesting. I think the most interesting choice is Phil Collins. Yes, fully. <laughs> um, so, I, I, are we? Are, where, where are we going? Because I, I think I'm. I'm. Let's put our vote in. I'm sticking with Udalali. Udalali. Just for the sake of moving on, I will sacrifice love. <laughs> I, I was going to sign What you did for love. For it, for it. And I will stand behind you and we will put it to a vote. We will draw rocks. <laughs> we will make a fire. If we're willing to put it to a vote, I, I, will, I will continue to fight for it because I do think it's the best song for me. All right. I'm, I, listen, I'm here for the vote. I, will, I, I love interaction from a podcast, so I will take the, the vote, the audience vote. Yeah. You and my have to build a fire and it has to be disney <laughs> all right we're gonna we're, we're gonna push it to a vote so um what i will do is when i release the podcast i will then put on um social media the option for everyone to vote and then we will see which is the song that will move forward to the final 64 but we just did it we cut nine songs just now that was pretty damn good that was easy a yeah. lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, no, I think you're going to have a hell of a time with it with the 90s. So oh, good luck. Oh, Best of I, luck with that. One of, Andrew Orsi has already told me that he is ready to fight me. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's bring it on. <laughs> Am um, I allowed to pitch a song for the 21st century right now? You, if you would like to pitch a song, you can pitch it to the panelists if they have not pitched one yet. Um, but it's very likely, if it's from Prince, Prince and the Frog, I think Tim Bell's got you covered. <laughs> No, it's it's um, Anna's song from Frozen Two. I was gonna I was gonna say there's songs that I think should be on the list. Yeah, well, pitch it to For the that, panelists to but... see if they have any feelings. Um, but 21st Century was hard because there there were a couple of songs. I was like, they're not classic, but they're good. Um, I feel like every song on Frozen Two's soundtrack, even the unreleased, should be on. The list. <laughs> yeah okay well i mean i love can... everything from tangled so i tangled you know. too. 
Well, where can we find you all on social media and Venmo if you'd like to share that as well? Well, you can firstly find me on Venmo at Fifi Dubois DQ. No secondary here for that. No, you can find me on all social media platforms uh, at Fifi Dubois DQ, F-I-F-I like a poodle, D-U like duh, B-O-A-S like Avril Lavigne spells boys, and DQ is in drag queen. It's very easy to remember, I promise you. Um, yeah, I like, I like Instagram because I'm a visual person, so find me there. And pitch your Even though uh, I'm on a sound. <laughs> <laughs> and pitch your trivia show. Yes, I do uh, Disney trivia right now every Sunday. It was at 5 p.m. I just recently moved it to 3 p.m. Um, you can go and check out updates on my Instagram at 52 But every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Disney World Time, as the Disney community likes to say. Um, every single Sunday, there's different themes each week. We just did Girl Power. We've done Disney Princesses in the past. We've done Classics, Renaissance and post-renaissance we've done villains holidays we've done lots of stuff it's lots of fun and i give out real prizes and uh there's one winner each week amazing who's next um i guess i'll go i'm on instagram venmo i think i have a facebook page still um <laughs> 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 all under at official obscura um I deleted my Twitter, so that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's where to find me. And Robbie? I'm no longer on social media. That's um, true. I'm, I mean, I still have it. It's just all deactivated. So if I ever come back, my Instagram is the whitest of rices. So um, whitest because I'm pale and rice is my last name. Um, I mean, I have a Venmo, but I don't see a point in y'all tipping me. I just create controversy, so. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people donate to controversy all the time. It's true. So. It's true. I'm going to be able to tell you what my Venmo is. <laughs> donate it to some organization you care there about. There you go. Love that. And for everyone listening, um, I am producing alongside Harry Legrande, Elation, a digital drag uh, dance party, Disney edition on August 14th at 6 p.m. on Zoom. Venmo, $6 at Harry Legrande, and the portion of the cover will go to the Third Wave Fund. And the night will feature a performance by Fifi Dubois. The biggest thanks to Fifi, Obscura, and Robbie for coming on. Be sure to check back for the next installment in the Ultimate Disney Song Showdown. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.